Sean, why don't we just roll? Yeah, let's roll. I've already told Schwartz. Get in here. Okay. <coughs> All right. You're a part of a with hard luck. Good morning and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified West Side host, Steve Lucky Luciano. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into the greatest show on earth. It's the Hard Luck Show coming at you from the Pico Youth and Family Center in Southern California, Santa Monica, California. Hey, listen here. I've got uh, my partner, my partner Chumahan over here. It's Chumahan Bowen, American Indian, elegant barbarian, Southern Californian, here to regulate once again. We don't take any geeks off the street. You better come with a fucking heat. Let's go. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Boom. Come on. Boom. Come on. I can get some phones rolling. Uh, 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 at the LBC. Remember that shit? Yeah, that's the shit. Oh, shit. Come on. Sean, now we got uh, our showrunner extraordinaire, Mr. Schwartz. No, Sean. Lewis on sound. Yeah, Sean Lewis. Devil certified. inside. Blue, right. blue eyes. Devil inside. Hype man for King Salmon. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I'm King Salmon's flavor flavor. Yeah! Now you're better Minus than that, Sean. You're blue eyes, baby. Certified audio professional engineer for the HLS. That's how it looks. Man. Right on. Great job. Go ahead. Fantastic. Yeah, bringing in those slow grooves. Yeah. Showrunner extraordinaire. Yeah. Let's get it. He forgot to tell everyone his, his name, name is Schwartz. Schwartz. What's oh, up, Schwartz? Everybody knows. What's up, fellas? Schwartz. All right. Carry a weed jar in his pocket. He's got the Carry sticky. a torch for Schwartz. <laughs> Carry a torch yeah. for Schwartz. Right. And... And, and on visuals, it's yeah. Ali. Hey, Ali Baba and the Forty Thieves. 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 Well, what's going on? Ali on the visuals, you already <laughs> know. You already know. Know what time it is. That's it. Dude, what's... Ali. Uh, Ali, what's... Um, you have kind of like a uh, flat voice. People, it's You said people think you sound high or something. What is that? I, I, don't, I don't know why, but I guess like people say I sound like monotone. <laughs> monotone. I Let don't me give know you. why. Sounds like he's on heroin all the time. Sounds like he's on cat tranquilizer, actually. <laughs> Ketamine. Like, if you listen we to him, like, here, listen to the Happy New Year part. Like, listen, just just the throwback. We got him all pumped up, and we're like, Alibaba! Yeah. You know, come on, Happy New Year! And this is what we get. Oh, wait. Hold on. Let me do this again. And this is what we get. And this is what... Uh, is my my, is my thing turned up, yeah. bro? Okay, here we go. Happy New Year. We made it. 2022. <laughs> Back at it with the Hard Luck Podcast. <laughs> it sounds like he's good. He's like, half- like he's laying down, and you're like <laughs> begging. Like he can barely bring his consciousness <laughs> to bring his head up and talking to the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds, yeah, it's sounds- like this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he's he's been kidnapped and he's in a trunk. Yeah, it's just right, like, right, right. And, and they pulled the duct tape off his mouth for a minute. He's right. Like, oh. It's like going hypoglycemic or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, everybody. It's Happy New Year That's great. 2020. That's great. All right. Listen, enough fucking around. Yes. We have a guest. We I have know, a guest. We do have a guest. We do have and, a guest. And how do we find this guest? Yeah, nigga. I'm still fucking yeah. with you. Yeah. How did we find this Damn. guest? Why and, how, and how deep do the waters run on this? We, we found this guest uh, by... I heard an interview that he did on uh, a, uh, another podcast, actually, and yeah. uh, it was incredible. Decided to reach out to the guy and uh, friend of the show, uh, Chad Marks, and uh, 
He's got a YouTube channel, Blood on the Razor Wire. Oh, He's got really? a yeah. book out. He's got a book, the same Blood name. on the Razor, Razor Wire. Wire. Go on to Amazon if you want to stop being stupid. And you want to hear some real G shit. You want to read some real prison stories. You want to hear the real, the raw, the unfiltered. Go on to Amazon. Get Blood on the Razor Wire and fucking read. Not only, <coughs> and I, I read it. Not only is it a great book, but he put a lot of, he put a lot of energy into the descriptions and you feel like you're right there. So without further ado, Chad Recording Marks. Recording in progress. Recording is in progress. Um, how are you doing this morning, Chad? What's how you going doing, on? Chad? Yeah. Welcome to the show. What's going on, man? I appreciate you guys bringing me on the show. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on, man. Quite moved by what we've heard from Schwartz. He gave us a rundown last week. Um, and then we started looking at you, and Chumahan dove in deep, and man, just some incredible stories, man. So I don't know where. How do we start with this, Chumahan? Why don't we start since we're 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 at the top here? Why don't we? Why don't we? Okay. So just to give Mister and Missus Earbuds a little bit of a teaser, he's got some interesting stories about names you've heard. For instance, he may have been in a situation where he was able to have conversations with Whitey Bulger. But we're not going to talk about that now. That's just a little right. teaser, motherfucker. Right, right, right. We're just setting that up. Why don't you, Chad Marks, why don't you tell us what you're doing currently, the work that you do to support people getting out of their situation? All right. So um, let me do it this way, right? At the age of 24, I was sentenced to 40 years in federal prison. Mm -hmm. Went to prison, wasn't always a nice guy in the beginning. Turned my life around about 10 years in. Became a jailhouse lawyer. I ended up getting released on the first step back, got out of prison, put together a paralegal and prison consultant firm called Freedom Fighters. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. I helped a lot of people like Russell Simmons' son. I just did his 2255, got him back into court. Um, the rapper Lil Baby, you know, this might not go over easy with some of your people, but his real <laughs> father is not the dude that people think it is. It's a dude named Rodney Love that was sentenced to life plus 55 years. I got his stuff in court right now. So that's pretty much what I'm doing, man. I help a lot of people. I help people that call me and say, hey, I got a girl from Florida. I said, look, my baby's father's in prison. I'm poor. I work part-time at McDonald's. I wrote his stuff for free, man. The dude's got 45 years. He deserves to get out for a nonviolent drug offense. Right. So, so that's what I'm doing now, man. Right. So, Chad, how many people generally approximately have you helped get out of prison? I probably got over 100 people out of prison. Damn, yeah. you're a fucking saint, bro. That's that? fucking fantastic, brother. You see that? I mean, there's a lot of people out there that talk a good one. This guy's actually putting his hand out, lifting people up. Now, let me get clear on something. If you wouldn't have lawyered up yourself, if you wouldn't have gathered your own information, taught yourself, would you still be in prison today? 100% I'd probably still be in prison, man. I met this dude named Cedric Dean, right, in USP Lee. And he said, hey, man, you want to get out of prison? He said, they're going to change the law, dude. They're going to bring back parole. Something's going to happen. He said, and what you're going to end up doing is you're going to go to the parole board. You're going to tell them, yeah, I got caught with five knives, and I've been selling dope in here. I stabbed two people. He said, is that the resume you want? And I said, nah, man, not really. He invited me to one of his classes, man. And that dude's the dude that pretty much taught me everything and put me on the right track. I didn't get on the right track that day, but that was the start of the process. Planted the seed, huh? For sure. Right. So, how did you, so when I read through your book and I listened to the various interviews, one of the things that came up for me was, you know, you were accused of, let's say, uh, being a businessman and selling things that were illegal, but not really that violent. There wasn't any violence. How is it that you got 40 years yeah. in the Fed for that? Well, it was a nonviolent drug offense, right? Yep. So this is what they did. Back then, you would get five years for the... There were guns involved, right? So let me explain it this way so that your, your, your viewers will probably be shocked. The listeners will probably be shocked. For the first gun, it was a 12-gauge shotgun. I got five years, a gun they found in a house. The second gun was a 22 rifle, and they gave me 25 years for that. So oh. you get five years for the first gun, 25 stacked onto that, which is 30, and then 10 for the drugs. That's how what? they do that. Christ, what country man. is this? <laughs> it's our country, man. Yeah. <laughs> what state was that in? It's in New York. But this was a federal law, and that's something that they changed with the first step back. And as crazy as this sounds, bro, 
Congress said, all this stuff was wrong, so we're going to fix it, but we're not going to fix it for the dudes that are in prison. Right. So what, we, what we will do is we're not going to make it retroactive, but we're going to leave it in the judge's discretion to determine if there's an extraordinary and compelling reason to reduce your sentence. All right. So a guy like me in New York, I got out on that. A guy in Florida, you're not you. They can't get out. Guys in Georgia, they can't get out. Guys in Philly and Pennsylvania, they can't get out under that law. All right. So let's pause it right there. In what was going on in your life at the time that you were charged? And at the time that I was charged, man, I was living a street life, man. Thought I was a tough guy. Thought I was that dude selling drugs. You know, I had a, I had a little team and I thought I was the man, thought I was untouchable. Never realized that, you know, I was throwing bricks at the penitentiary that whole time and big ones. Obviously I ended up with a 40 year sentence. Right. How, what was, did you ever find out how they were able to pull a case together uh, for you? Uh, 100% man. What happened? A dude that I was, uh, a dude that I used to look up to when I was a kid, man, he ended up becoming a drug addict. I seen him one day, he's walking down the street and he waves me down. He says, hey, give me a ride, Chad. I got to go to the rehab center, right? And he's like, but I'm not going until tomorrow. My parents are putting me in there. They kicked me out. It's pouring down rain. I give the dude a ride. He says, can you buy me something to eat? Pretty much he's homeless. I buy the dude something to eat. After that, I take him to the hotel. He says, hey, when I get out, will you give me a job? I also had a home improvement company back then. So I told him, yeah, man, call me. I never expected this dude to call me. He gets out of jail. I help him out. He ends up back on drugs. He ends up working for the cops, wears a wire on me. He gets me, you know, he gets me jammed up. I end up with a 40 year sentence over that. Hey, Lux. I mean, what is that? What you shake your head. Huh. What what is that? I mean, you've been in the game, you've done some time in prison. I mean, real prison and stuff like that. So what do you what are you hearing here? What are your what is your reaction to that? Guy helps I mean, a guy out and right. then the guy fucking turns into it's a rat. Scumbag shit. Scumbag rat shit. And right. he did it to save his own skin. Because he got busted for something and didn't want to do any time. So they set him up to rat him. But the whole thing, but but that's just one part of it. The other part of it is the law enforcement, usually local law enforcement, yeah. is already after you. They're going to get rid of you. They have an eye on you. So they're just waiting for the, the fish is going to show up. The guy that's going to give you up is going to show up. They're just waiting on for him to show up with a possession or something. And as soon as he does, they've got a couple people that they're going to get locked up. And it sounds like he was on their target list, right? Imagine, 100%. right? And they were going to get him out. They were just waiting for the right guy that kind of had his way to, to get in and wire him up. And it's a fucking bullshit, man. And that's fucking setting somebody up, if you ask me. That's framing somebody. You know what's weird? What's weird? What's weird about that is, is that like, how do I say this? In a, in a certain way, it sometimes feels like law enforcement allows certain people to operate and do business in the streets, and then it comes a time where they decide somebody they want to take somebody off. No, here's what it sounds like. Go ahead. Is the cops? can't get you playing by the rules see we all have to play by the rules supposedly right but they don't they can't get you now if you're fucking up then they're gonna get you and right. you're asked out right but if i'm covering my ass and you gotta cheat to get me and that's what they're doing man that's some see that's that dirty ass shit man you know put you 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 got your role i got where i roll all right go for it right but if you got to cheat, you got to set me up to get me. Well, that's then that's what a cop does because that's what cops do. Right. It's kind of in their blood. Okay. So, Chad Marks, why does this not just fall to the state? I mean, it's a drug thing. So why did yeah. this turn into a federal case? All right. So my city, man, it's like my city is a viciously violent city, right? What city is that? Rochester, New York. Okay. So back then, man, it was, it was off the hook. So they put a joint task force with the local police and the feds, and they just started knocking people off. Like, you know, dudes that were, you know, doing big things, I guess, where I was at. I was like fourth or fifth on the list. There was a list, trust me. And they knocked us all. One of the kids they knocked, the kid they knocked just before me, he ended up getting out of prison, man, got back in the game, and they tied him up, man, and, and killed him, dude. Robbed him, killed him, and that was that was the end of his story. You know what I mean? He ended up with a 10-year sentence. And, and he got out, dude. He wasn't out, I wouldn't say, six months. He was an Asian kid, actually. So they, they had their little list and just knocked us down, man. Took us to federal court so they could mash us. In what? the state, I'd have probably ended up with three years, bro. Think about right, that. Right, three to five. 
So how do they make the decision though? How how do they say like, all right, we're gonna charge you know uh, Chad with we're gonna go through the federal system. We're not gonna let him do state time. They just take over the case. That's it. Well, I, like I said, it was a joint task force. But if you got guns and drugs, they were definitely taking you over there. But this is the crazy part. Like your brother was saying right here, this is what they were doing. They could have had me when they had the first gun. When they busted that first house, they had me. But that first gun was only 10 years for the drugs and five for the gun. So they waited to bust another house because they knew it was another 25 years. So if we were a danger to the community, why didn't you take us off the, you know, off the street when you had us on that first 924C? Because you needed that second one to really give us a banger and take us over to the feds. Right. So I think the other thing, too, though, Chumahan, is ahead. at some point in time, they're putting him together as an organized group of people. That's how the feds are getting right. to them. Like state it, lines, crossing state lines from the drugs? No, no. That, he's, that they're operating as an organization. Right. I think that's what calls feds into it. Yeah, but if you're operating as an organization and you stay within the state, I still don't understand how that can become federal. Federal, so the supremacy clause only comes into Rico. play. Only, well, they only they in, go ahead, what is it? They didn't charge us with a Rico, dude. It was just a conspiracy, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So, and like I said, what they were doing was, in the state, they knew they were only getting a little bit of time. With the lawyer that I had, I probably got three years, did 90 days in a shock camp type program back mm -hmm. then. I would have got out. So that's why they don't charge us statewide. Instead, they say, no, we're going to take you over to the feds where we can give you all this time because we can't give you five years for the first gun. And, and think about this. But how, think, do well, they, how do they determine that? Who's Who makes that decision? Well, so the feds. Okay, okay, okay. So, and listen, uh, Mr. Marks is also, you know, a de facto attorney, so yeah, he can check yes. me. But in the Fed system, the Fed ultimately is king. So the Fed can only interact in states if they can make an argument that whatever activity is going on, whether it be sales, normal, or criminal, somehow affects another state or crosses okay. state lines, right? Gotcha. That's when federal gotcha. jurisdiction can actually attach. Okay. Now- Usually what happens in a lot of cases, it even happens in the civil, is a situation where you've, you violated or the state could hear this or it also violated a federal law and the Fed can hear it. When there's a choice, the Fed can decide, no, we take precedence. If the Fed can't take up and its laws don't run supreme over state laws then there would be no power in the Fed to collect taxes and do all the other shit that they do. Does that sound about right, Chad? That's about right. And, and what determines where you go, either state or Fed, is how much time they can give you. If they can bang you in the Feds with more time, that's where you're going. Right, but if so, so bang the, you in the state, then they're going to bang you in the state. But hold on. That, so that's a, that's a discretion point. This <clears> is what people don't understand about the law in a lot of ways. There's a lot of black and white shit, right? It's like you broke this law and then this is going to happen. But for every one of those, there's a million little discretionary decisions that can be made. And what Chad's talking about is there's a point at which the Fed can say, we're going to step in or step out. It's a Fed question, and it's usually the prosecutor's authority, right? And he can look at it, and just as Chad said, for, for whatever reason, he can say he'll do more time in his state, so we'll let it go. Or he's going to do more time in the Fed, so we're going to take him up through the Fed system. Does that sound about right, Chad? Yeah, I'm going to give you an example. So let's say... I kill someone in the state and, and there's drugs involved, right? A lot of times they're just going to charge you with the murder over there. They're not going to bring you over to the feds because over there, they're going to give you 25 to life. That's why they would take that over there. But when you got a drug conspiracy with guns, dude, there's dude, my boy had 55 years. He's out from Utah, Weldon Angelos. And this dude got caught with like, he had two sales of like a quarter pound of weed here and a quarter pound of weed there. They gave him 55 years because he had a gun on him. So they were like, okay, we're going to get him in the feds. In the state, it'd be like nothing. It'd be a year. So we're going to give him five for the first transaction because of the gun, 25 for the second transaction because of the gun, and another 25 for the third transaction because of the gun. And mind you, it was the same gun, just three different transactions with weed. And check this out. Check this out. Let me ask you this. Now that we're in this jurisdictional issue, and then we'll get to the other, other pieces, but I, I'm curious to hear Chad's perspective on, you know, Epstein... Right. The infamous Epstein. First question I have for you, Chad, is how is it that the Fed cut him a sweetheart deal when he, it was clear that he was molesting or sexually assaulting underage women? But back in Florida in those early days, how do you square that with the fact that a guy like 
like you just <clears throat> described, maybe he is a dealer. Maybe he did sell weed or, or whatever it was. But the Fed is actively using its discretionary powers to lock a guy up for 75 years. But in a case like Epstein... They're using their discretionary powers to, to cut it deal. out and yeah. to let him out on weekends. How do you? What is yeah. your perspective on that? You know what my perspective is, man. When you got friends in high places, you got big money. That's how that thing works out. You think he was friends with somebody? He might have been friends with the with the district attorney. Maybe not the assistant district attorney, but obviously the district attorney. Someone was friends. Hey, man, that's our guy. You know, sweep this under the rug. It's kind of like a bullshit case. I'll give you an example. Our mayor, her husband was over here selling crack. She ends up, they put it all over the news. They're blasting her. You know, they find a bunch of crack. She ends up copping out to like, not even a misdemeanor, dude. And and no nothing. And she's involved in this shit. But that's because she was the mayor, right? They sweep it under the rug. Right. But if it was me or you over here involved in a crack cocaine conspiracy, I mean, we'd be going to prison for a long time. I got, you know what, I'll tell you. Know. I tell you something else. I have a friend that's out right now. He's coming on our show next month. This guy got caught with almost a million dollars in cash in Beverly Hills. Where would you store a million dollars in cash? Where would you store that? He was going to store it somewhere, but it was in his car. <laughs> in oh, wow, <laughs> all right, in a bag. Yeah, how? What it was like a fifty? Eight hundred, eight hundred grand. <laughs> okay, all right. They now. Beverly Hills PD pulls this dude over. So he thinks it's Beverly Hills PD. But when they pull him over, yeah. a couple other cars are there as they have him pulled over talking to the cops or whatever. They end up taking him in. This guy thought he was facing a lot of times. He got OR'd and got bailed, whatever, very within the first day. Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds, if you don't know what OR is, his own recognizance. Well, he got got out. So he's hiring an attorney. And ultimately, this case that he was looking at doing, I I think it was, you know, three to five years, and they couldn't get him on anything because they couldn't actually, there was nothing but but tax evasion or something, (laughs) or or some kind of shit. But they dropped everything if he just turned over the money. I'm bringing him on the show, man. If he signed over and just gave that money away, the case kind of disappeared. He didn't really suffer any consequences. If he wants to make a big fucking fight over that money, he's got to come up with this. And they're moving forward on the case. So I want to, I just hear crazy stories like that directly from somebody. And I'm like, and I hear all these crazy stories about the feds kind of running their own show outside of the lines of the laws or anybody else. Well, ask Chad. Listen. Chad, what do you, what do you think of shit like that? Do you hear stories like that? Honestly, bro, I've heard stories like that. I'm not going to tell you that I've seen it on paper like that, mm-hmm. but I have heard stories like that. I mean, you had the guys down there in uh, the Lucasville riots in Ohio. You know, them dudes got destroyed by the cops and they're like, look, you guys did this to us. We did that to you. No lawsuits, man. You don't get no time, man. You just go away. We're going to release you. You know, I just read an, I just read something about that the other day. Someone sent me some stuff on that. So I've heard that. I haven't personally seen it, though. Right, All right, right, so, right. So, Chad, so when we go back to your situation, I mean, did you have an attorney represent you? And, and did, it, did you go to trial or did, I, did you take yeah. a plea? How did it go? I ended up going to trial, dude. Believe it or not, man, I paid 40 grand for an attorney for one of the dudes that was supposed to be the best where I'm from. And I felt like, man, 40 grand, I got 40 years at the end of the day. Did the guy do his job? He really didn't, man. And this was supposed to be one of the best where I'm from. He's on the news all the time now. He does death penalty cases. I mean, he was supposed to be top notch, but. How did he drop the ball in your situation? He dropped the ball a couple times in my situation. Like, even during the trial, like, when he was talking, my mom and my, my father, they're like, hey, my stepfather, like, we can't even hear this dude. Like, when he was talking, you couldn't hear him. He wasn't prepared. Um, he got prepared, like, three days before the trial started. He came to see me. I was like, hey, I'm like, dude, we're about to have a month-long trial. Like, you got to get an adjournment. He tried to get an adjournment. It didn't work out. He, that's how he dropped the ball, dude. They walk in there, and he would have pad of paper, and he starts writing stuff down. And is there, shouldn't, we have, shouldn't we have this been prepared for this prepared for the witnesses? Yeah, right. And what's the effect on your case if you take it to trial or you just take their deal? Well, you get what they call the trial penalty, right? <laughs> if you go to trial, like in my case, there was there was a plea that could have resulted in as low as 10 years. 
you know, at one point where I was just telling the lawyer, like, hey, man, try to I know I can't get below the mandatory minimum of 10, but see if you can get this gun off. And he's like, all right, man, I'm, I'll see what I could do. He ended up getting a big death penalty case. He had no time for my case. So eventually the government ended up superseding the indictment. So I had one count 10 to life. And because the lawyer was playing games on, on a two point enhancement, which meant a difference of two or three years. While he's playing games, the government said, man, this dude's playing games. They superseded my indictment with 16 more counts. Now my mandatory minimum went from 10 to life to 40 to life. That means I had to get at least 40 years. Think about that. Hold on. Let's, let's, just, let's just let everyone huh. let that soak in. Chad pays big city lawyer 40 grand. Take care of me. At some point, Chad realizes, like, the best I'm ever going to get is 10 years. And let's just call it quits and let's get the 10 but let's see if we can do this other thing now this lawyer big city lawyers out there eating fucking egg mcmuffins and drinking all night and god knows you know i don't know this is just me talking about you know blow off of his paralegals ass who knows right and next thing you know he drops the ball and now chad's facing 40 years 30 years how much is 30 years how can you even quantify i don't even know that what the fuck bro Right. That's what, that's what they call the trial penalty. It's like, how dare you go to trial and test us? So now we're going to smash you. The same country. But that they're says, not going to smash the attorney who fucking got you in that situation. They're going to smash you. Are you kidding? They're, yeah, they're going to smash you. Yeah. Oh, we're going to smash your client now to show Think you. Think about this, right? If you at one point say, the government, we believe a sentence between 11 and 14 years is appropriate for the crimes that you committed. And then because I exercise my right to trial, that's no longer any good. You're going to give me an additional, what, 29 years? That's that's bullshit. That's bullshit. And that's the way the law is. It's like that out here, too. You either take this, because if you don't take this, we're giving you the max. They do that shit all the time. That's your fucking penalty for exercising your rights, brother. That's and that's how it is. And that's how it's written down. And that's what they do every day. And you know why they do that? Because the 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 found keep your ass scared and not to fucking bark or, or 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 leap. That's why they do it. And because the founding fathers set an extremely high standard for finding a guy guilty, reasonable beyond uh, uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. That's the highest in the law you can get. And the reason why the founding fathers did that, they just came off of dealing with a king that was railroading motherfuckers, p- torturing them to confess the crimes they didn't commit. So now, yes. so now the Fed goes, you know what? We don't know if we can reach that. So what we'll do is if that guy wants to go to trial, it's five times what you would face if we're just going to give you a deal. That's fucking bullshit. Right, Chad? Well, once again, you're back before the king. And let me tell you something. You know, some young dudes might be listening to your show. They're out there getting money. Let me tell you the other part that's stacked against you. Mm-hmm. In your closing argument, the government goes, right? They, they do their closing. You do your closing, and then the government gets a chance to rebut that. Right. So they go last. But the presumption of innocence is over you. Let me tell you something. Beyond a reasonable doubt, that stuff's all bullshit. They tell you it's the greatest system in the world, and it may be, but that's because all the other systems in the world are even more, 10 times worse. Right. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the time, when you go to trial, guess what? They're going to paint this picture that you're a bad guy. And sometimes you're just going to get convicted off of bad guy evidence. He's a bad guy. You should find him guilty, and we should send him to prison. And that's how they do it, man. Most people get convicted that go to trial, bro. And how did all of this at this time uh, affect the, I guess, who were the people in your life? You had your mom. I mean, was she biting her nails and stressed out and worried? How did this all affect her? Oh, man, it, it, it destroyed my mother, man. I was married. Um, my wife ended up having to go her set. Dude, I got 40 years. She couldn't stick around. You know what I mean? Right. So. She ended up going out with her life, but that's the girl that I got out and remarried and just had twins with. Hold on, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. So don't, amazing, don't, don't, don't gloss over that. All right, yeah. check this out. That's incredible. Hold on. Chad gets 40 years. Uh-huh. Right. Chad, how does it feel to hear, all right, 40 years in prison? What does that feel like? Well, I mean, oh. when that happened, you're devastated, right? I mean, absolutely devastated. It really, it really hit me that night. When you get in your cell alone and you look in the mirror, you're like, wow. You got 40 years. This is it, bro. This is this is your life. And when I left my city, you know, right where the federal courtroom is, is my neighborhood. It's where I'm from. 
And I drove through that neighborhood on that, you know, I think they had an expedition. The U.S. Marshals are driving me to a place where they house us at, an immigration facility, actually. That's where they were housing us at. And I just, I'm leaving my city like I'm never going to see this shit again, man. And it broke my heart to drive through my hood knowing that this is it for the next 40 years. It destroys you mentally and emotionally, just absolutely destroys you. Bro. And then, so check this out. So Chad's wife and Chad probably, they have a discussion. This is big boy topics and this is real life. So he's, it's 40 years. She has to live her life, right? And probably no hard feelings. When, so Chad, when you got released, after how many years did you get yourself out? I did 17 years, five months and 21 days, bro. Okay, just limit it to the story about you and your 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 wife. So, seventeen years, he gets out, and wh- and how does your wife react, and what happens? <laughs> she ends up contacting me, and I and pretty much I'm like, look, man, you know that ship sailed. I love you, I care about you, but you got this life over here. You gotta you gotta go live your life. You know, you got to live the life that you created. And you know, I knew I had a forty year sentence at the time, so. She, she didn't do like other a lot of chicks do, dude. She came and told me, like, look, this is tough on me. You know, she was struggling, dude, emotionally. She was crying a lot. She, it wasn't a life for her, so she went on. But, yeah, she contacted me, and I tried to push her away. But, honestly, man, I loved her, man. And she loved me, obviously. And uh, we ended up reconnecting. It's, it's a crazy story. But I tried to push her away for like a month, dude. I, she came to my house, and I was like, look, you just you got to go home. You got to go to the life that you have now. And, you know, some dudes might be like, what? Dude, honestly, she was married, man. She had, she had, she, she was married and she went home and told her husband like two weeks later, like, look, I can't live like this. You know, I feel like my real husband came home. Mm-hmm. He had 40 years. Our life was over with. And, and I never thought he'd get out. It isn't that I wanted to leave him, but I had to have a life. And now I just can't live like this. And, and that's kind of how it went, dude. And, and like, I didn't want to like feel like I'm taking dude's girl. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. She was, yeah. she was my wife. And, I just, you know, unfortunate circumstance. And I, I did push her away, bro, 100%. She, she'd tell you that. But right. we ended up reconnecting, bro. I loved her, man. Now they have twins. I talk about her in the book. Yeah, yeah. I know. Incredible. Think about that, Steve. Think Incredible, about- bro. I mean, and, and yeah. Steve, how would you? Like- when is the best show in the world? Isn't it? The stories we hear on this show, you don't hear stories yeah. like this ever. Steve, let me Because we're the best. Ask, let me ask a question. And 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 because the love aspect of this thing really moved me, mm-hmm. because it's kind Crazy. of like what Chad says. It's like on the one hand, you kind of understand the other guy because what what did he do? The guy didn't do nothing wrong. But you almost in this circumstance. I mean, how would you feel if you were the other guy, Steve? Man, fuck that. That's what everybody's asking themselves right now, listening to this story. Right. Like, what were you with the other guy? Willie Lump Lump now. I don't know, man. We don't want to talk about that guy. I feel horrible. He, he didn't do nothing, right? I mean, that guy couldn't win. That wasn't in the cards for him. Papa came home. I love that part of it. baby. Right. Right. Me too. Right. And it, but at the same time, this is one of those scenarios where you're like, real love is real love. Right. Well, but I would also have to think that you, you weren't the same exact person that left that relationship. Now there's, you're a very different person. So you're pushing, you might be pushing your way saying, I'm not even the same guy I was when we were together. I want to keep it real with you, right? Yeah. In a lot of aspects, I was the same dude, man. And she was the same chick, right? I changed like, my thought pattern, I changed my character as far as I don't want to be in the streets, dude. I'm not selling drugs no more. I appreciate, you know, he talked about the, the founding fathers. I appreciate life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. But other than that, dude, I am pretty much the same dude. And she is too. Dude, we have we had a connection where, like, I'll tell you crazy shit. Dude, remember back in the day, you, you I had the Celtics warm-up suit, dude. And, like, she popped all the buttons in the grocery store. I'm standing at the counter. And she's just rolling. I'm like embarrassed, dude, trying to pull my pants up. Like it, we should just do crazy shit. We were young. We had, we, like we had, dude. Like even to this day, like we do crazy shit, like laughing, playing. We, we just have a great relationship, man. Like a relationship where we never back then, dude. We like had two arguments ever. Like it was just there was that there was that connection, and not to you know brush over you know the other dude, dude. I did talk to the dude and said, dude, I, I don't want your wife, man. Have your family, bro. Like I talked to the dude. Like he he called me on and was crying and and I'm like damn bro like I felt did horrible, they have bro. kids hey hey did they have kids yes 
Yeah. Listen, bro. Yeah. I, this is why that's heavy it's, duty, bro. That's that's uh, that. Uh, I mean, this story just gets deeper and deeper. Listen, we dude. If you see my YouTube scratch. channel, the first video I did, mm -hmm. there's like flashbacks of me and her in the pictures and <sighs> in, in in that first. It's only like a three minute video on the YouTube channel. That is, you know channel what, brother? Though, it. but but the one circumstance that you present right here, it's different than if you just showed up and you were some other guy, right? This is the one instance where that guy's like, if he's a real man, he's like, fucking dude out of life sentence, and he came home. I got to bow out gracefully. I, I got nothing to say on listen, that Listen, listen, this is one of those situations. I would. Listen. Because if you got married, listen, because if I married her, I'm just going to say this, and she told me my old man got 40 years, in the back of my head, what I would be thinking is, like, there's a chance this yeah. motherfucker could get out. Right. There's a chance this dude could get out, and I need to know that, right? That would be my own responsibility to to think that way. Right. right. You 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 at least like own that possibility walking into the situation. Exactly. Now listen, listen though, that's true. And Chad, right? Chad, we gotta have you as a reoccurring guest. Listen, Chad. wait, wait, check this no. out. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, listen. You really want to know about the story? Go to Amazon.com. Yeah, buy the we're giving them too on, much there, yeah. buddy. Blood, they got to let blood, them buy your book. Blood on the razor. But listen, this is what I'm trying to say, though. This is what I'm trying to say. Come on, come on. Bro, come on. this is her. I couldn't pass her up, bro. Yeah! <laughs> Wait. Woo! <laughs> you got a tugboat off of fucking Big Lux. That's a big one. Damn it, man. Yeah. Good job, partner. <laughs> listen, no, but check this out. Check this out. You're right. Like a man, a man would know, okay, I'm walking into a situation that has maybe a 1% possibility of that, right? Right. But your heart would still turn you into a bitch because even though you know the real, there's a part of you that would be hurting and you still would cry. I would you're say in love. It don't matter. Like, right. I'm not saying because you got to accept it doesn't mean you're not fucked up by it. Right. Right. Damn. So. All right, so we've talked about uh, that aspect. And by the way, congratulations on your family. Congratulations yes. on the twins. Did you, when you were laying Appreciate there, you. when you were laying in the gray box, did you ever in your like wildest dreams think that you would be back with your old lady and have twins and living the life you're living right now? Honestly, never in my wildest dreams. And one of my right-hand dudes, right, he had, he had just did like 15 years down in Victorville in California, and I was like, damn, bro, you think she'll want to see me? Right when I won my case, I asked him that that night. He said, look, man, he said, I'm your right hand, man. I'm going to keep it real with you, bro. Let her go, man. It's over, man. Probably not. Just let it go, man. It's over. And I was like, yeah, man, you're right. And I shook it off. You know what I mean? But he was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Hey, when was it? All right. I am sorry I have to go here still, but I just so I love the story so much. So you shake it off. You man up, right? You, you look at facts are facts. How did the actual first contact go? Like, what happened? All right, so check this out, right? You're probably going to laugh about this. Yeah. I asked my sister, hey, what's her last name? Like, my <sighs> sister and them knew where she was at and everything. So I want to check her on Facebook. So I find her on Facebook. Oh. And, and, I, and I see this thing on there that she's part of the neighborhood watch community, right? <laughs> well, like, oh, she's on some cop shit now. So I'm all the way. Dude, like, I'm all the way. Like out of the way, like I don't. I'm not going to contact. I'm on parole, homie. I'm not right. trying to play right. no games. And she's married, and they call the police. I go back to jail. I don't want nothing to do with it. Right. I see all the way out of the way. Right. And uh, the first contact was um, she just reached out to me, man. And I was like, hey, what's going on? How are you? I hope things are going well for you. Hold on, she, hold man, on, have... slow, hold on, Chad. Please slow it down for a second. So did she call you? She does call me. How did someone she? Else. I'm not going to say who, but yeah, through someone else. So she, no, this is the deal, though. No, hold up, bro. She calls my paralegal firm phone number, and she calls, and she's like saying dumb stuff, and I don't even know who. I don't even recognize the voice. I don't know it's her. And she said, "I got a little bit." She told me to say that was me. You know, when we reconnected, and I'm like, "Okay, so what can I do to help you?" And she's like, "Well, uh, uh, uh." I'm like, "Okay," and I'm kind of getting frustrated. So I just, you know, we she hangs up on me, calls me again, does the same thing like a week later. So I'm like, "All right, whatever. I don't know it's her." And then eventually she calls me through someone else and I'm talking to the person and I say, Hey, you know, how's she doing? She goes, it's me. But I really knew it was her. It was on a message messenger. Okay. And then we ended up talking on the phone. And then when you talk on the phone, 
even though you're going to do the right thing and push her away and try to snap her out of whatever fantasy she might be having at that time, um, was there a part of you, though, that knew where this was headed? Well, honestly, dude, when we first seen each other, it was she was just like, look, nothing could ever change, but I wanted to see you. And I'm like, yeah, you got to accept that. You know what I mean? That's That's what I thought my fate was. And did it hurt my feelings? Of course it did, bro. But there's another part of me where I was like, I'm not trying to hurt the kids or anybody. I'm just, you know what I mean? And let's keep it real, man. We're all men. I just did 18 years in prison. What do you think I'm thinking? I know what I'm you're like, thinking. I'm coming out here to, to have fun and, and, and do me, right? Right. Yeah. But honestly, bro, and I'm sure, you know, I struggled, man. I'm not going to lie to you over my situation with her because I really loved her. Dude, I had a hard time for many, many, many years over this. It hurt me, man. For I wasn't good, man, until probably... 2010 dude I, I used to play basketball all day go to the law library at night that's how i got over that shit man and really i never got over it and then as soon as i seen her and talked to her and seen her pictures it was like dude it, it was like crushed my heart again reoccurring like it, it hurt man it hurt it hurt to see her with you know someone else and a fan all the things that we had planned like having a son and i used to daydream about you know throwing a football to my son and coaching my son's baseball team these are the things that i used to think about with her bro and and she had it with someone else, dude. So yeah, it crushed me, man. Man, I just wow. I, I mean it's just, heavy. I love it. So now, so okay. So we've talked about the love aspects, but let's go back to um now you went to so you were in the Fed system and then I know that you went to a diff, a couple of different places on the way to Sandy. And so for Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds, what is Sandy? Okay, so back then, Big Sandy, in my perspective, and a lot of people's perspective, was probably the most dangerous, most violent federal prison in the United States, bro, hands down. I mean, Victorville was a close second, Hazleton's a close second, but it was Big Sandy. I go into Big Sandy, dude, and it's like right right from day one. They're crushing dudes, man. I'm not just talking about, you know, beating dudes up. They're stabbing dudes. The first night I'm there, dude slaps the cop in the middle of the day room, and the cop grabs his face, and he goes... What did I do? And all the New York <laughs> surround the cop. And I'm like, I'm from New York, bro. I did time in New York State prison before the feds, right? If you hit a cop in New York State, they got these oak sticks. Dude, they're gonna they're gonna kill you, man. This dude just slapped the cop, and the cop was like, What did I do? And I'm like, what the f-? I wow. couldn't even believe it, bro. Wow. I and- knew I was in a danger zone as soon as I seen the the cops were scared, bro. Right. And so um and I also, in, in reading your story and also listening to some of the interviews, I saw that, as everybody does in prison, and it's an old story now, essentially, right, the various um, organizations or race organizations uh, peep you out and find out where you're running. Did that happen for you? Immediately. As soon as you walk in, white dudes approach you, hey, where you from, who you run with, it, it, that's immediate. If, you, if you're Hispanic and you come in there, I mean, it's rough for some of the Hispanic brothers from the West Coast, obviously. They take some of them dudes in the room, take your shirt off, man. They want to see your tattoos. They want to, they got to make sure, let's say, you know, you're a South Sider from Southern California and, and dude comes in, they want to see your tattoos, bro. You know what I mean? Steve, does that track for you? Does that make sense what he's saying? Well, I haven't, you know, I, I only spent a couple of nights in the tombs and I didn't get to get to cross up with a whole bunch of people but i don't know how i don't know what happens out there with dudes from southern california right in in like big sandy big sandy yeah, is i don't in, know is what, in, that would, what would that would be like that's in know. kentucky right it's in kentucky yeah yeah in like one of the poorest most fucked up places in kentucky one of the great things about chad marx's book is he gives you a little bit of history about big sandy about lyndon johnson landing there in a helicopter and the shithole of shitholes and all that other kind of shit to eventually develop and set aside like 308 acres for this like thing called big sandy that whatever that's the 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 system he came from another thing that i thought was interesting about your story was uh you actually in the other thing is is how do people find you on youtube to see all your interviews and the different things you discuss just go ahead and jump on that youtube channel blood on the razor wire tv and the mission of the channel is this bro to save kids from life imprisonment and premature death through our stories and our experiences. And like the stuff that I talk about, it's not stuff that I made up, man. It's really, it's my life. It's the life that I live, the interactions that I've been through. And I bring dudes on there and, and you know, I always ask them, what message do you have for your younger self? What message do you have for kids that are on the wrong road? And you'd be surprised how many dudes got out of prison and, and hit me up and say, 
dude, I really need your show, man. You know, I'm 30 years old, but I did 10 years. It helps me not forget where I came from so I never go back. Right. I promise and, they won't be disappointed, bro. Right. And one of the things that's not disappointing is, and kind of like our show, you know, um, Chad keeps it very real and talks a lot about different things in part because, and listen, this is always like some kind of issue that comes up. And act, I, I might, me personally, I don't give a fuck. Like, we talk about it for real. Some of it is glorifying some of the violence and the different shit that goes on to a certain extent. But part of that is is that some of the younger people, they want to hear that. And yeah. then when they're here, they also get all the other pieces of wisdom and everything. Is that sort of how your show runs, Chad? 100%, man. 100%. So along that line, my friend, my fine feathered friend, why don't you tell us what happened when you got stabbed in prison? <laughs> All right, so this is what happens, right? <clears throat> I'm hustling in USP Lee. I got a store. I sell stamps. Stamps are the currency in federal prison. Mm -hmm. This kid owes me $45. He's an Asian kid. He owes me $45. And he starts arguing with me. He said, I only owe you $40. So I'm like, check this out, bro. You're right. You only, and this one, I wasn't such a nice guy. I'm like, you're right. Pay me the $40. Don't ask me for shit. And then he just keeps screaming. I said, hey, man, watch how you talk to me out here. We're in public out here. And he's yelling. So honestly, dude, I blast the kid. Boom, I, I drop him. Kid from New York goes over to the top of him and goes, you got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> it hurt his feelings, bro. You know, like that Friday thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. His feelings. So a week later, dude, I'm coming back from the store, and dude comes up behind me. I don't even know he's out there. And he stabs me in the back. He hits me. Boom, boom, boom. He hits me three times with an ice pick, right? So when he hits me, I'm like, I, I spin around. I'm like, and I touch my back. My co One of my co-defendants is in the prison with me. And I tell him, I say, hey, man, grab him. He starts running. My co-defendant's chasing him. And I tell him, hey, he stabbed me. It's like my co-defendant hit the Fred Flintstone, dude. Like, when I said he stabbed me, like, my co-defendant froze up and stopped. <laughs> <laughs> like, the dust came up off the concrete. He stopped so fast. But I chase dude, and it's raining, and he's weaving in and out, weaving in and out, right? Yeah. And he slips, bro. If he didn't slip, dude, I ain't going to lie to you. I wouldn't have caught him. Wow. He slips and falls. I jump on the kid, dude, for real. I take the knife and throw it to the side. And I just pound this dude's head in, bro. Like, and I'm not trying to be like I'm the baddest dude on the planet, but dude, I pound this dude's head in. The cops run, they tackle me. The cop starts trying to punch me. And my homeboy had just got stabbed like 30 something times, bro. And you know, I, I seen this shit. So I'm thinking, damn, I'm stabbed. I tell the cop, man, I'm stabbed. I'm stabbed, bro. Like, I'm not trying to die out here. Right. And I want the dude to stop punching me, the cop. You know right. what I mean? So these dudes, and I'm a big dude, bro, they pick me up off the ground, bro. Like my feet are off the ground and they start running with me to medical. They get me to medical. They stick this long Q-tip in my back and they're like, Oh, you're all right. And they put me in the wreck cage and I'm in the wreck cage for like three, four hours. And once my adrenaline stopped pumping, dude, I had to pull myself up off the wreck cage, like grab a hold of it. I couldn't get up, man. And I ended up making my way to the cell. I laid in the bed for like three or four days, but this is the crazy part, dude. There's another dude that gets stabbed right around the same time as me, like that same day. He goes to the hole. They put the Q-tip in him and do all that shit. He dies from internal bleeding, bro. They never sent him to the outside hospital. Hey, so that could have been me, bro. I could have been in that cell, dude. I laid in that bed. I didn't eat. I didn't drink. My, my celly was trying to help me out, man. Like I had a really good celly, man. And and for real, dude, he he, he was just dude. A dude helped me, man. Because I was fucked up, man. When? How that long crazy. do you think it took that dude to uh, stab you three times? Like, how long did that interval go? Dude, it was just like a machine gun. Like, bang, 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 bang. It just hit me. And when it hit you. I got you, two holes and a scrape. And when it hit you, how long do you think it took you to realize what just happened? Dude, I thought he punched me. I, I, I just thought dude punched me. Yeah. I'm like, and then when I reached in my back, that's when I told my homeboy, like, I'm like, it was like immediate, right? I, and I pulled my hand out and there's blood all over my hand. Right. So I'm like, yo, man, hey, catch him. He just stabbed me. That and, was it, dude. And what, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, fuck that. If I'm gonna die, I'm getting this dude before I die, man. And like, where <laughs> on the back? Where on the back did he stab you? Right by my spine, my lower back, man. <sighs> that could have been the spine. Oh, that could have been so bad. Yep. And then, and then, um, how thick do you think? Because if they put a Q-tip in you, like, how thick was the hole? It was an ice pick, dude. Like, you, you know, a lot of times they'll take like pieces off the fans. Yeah. You know, them big industrial fans. Yeah. They'll take a piece of that off, break it bend it sharpen it like a nail and then you know tie a lanyard on there put a little tape on there that's what he hit me with bro he hit me with like probably like a seven inch piece it didn't go in 
it, it dude for real it didn't really go in go in but it went in enough to put me in that bed for about three days after my mm-hmm. adrenaline stopped right, right. And, and your whole body tightens up when you get stabbed dude like things happen to your body that you can't even explain yeah steve you ever been stabbed no Mm-mm. so <laughs> I've, been stabbed. I've been cut on the arm but i haven't been stabbed but i've seen the effects of of uh welding rods that's what fucking people would use in a, one prison I was at. And they would take three welding rods and and you take dental flaws and you take the three welding rods and hold them together like a triangle, right? Yeah. And you just cover them, cover them wrap them tight, tight, tight in dental floss till it becomes one piece of metal. Right. And then you just sharpen it. And they were using those. And they were about the equivalent of an ice pick when you fucking sharpen them down. Right. But you could poke somebody... And usually when you poke them, there's not a lot of blood too fast because you're just poking them. And nobody can really see the amount of damage that's been done. So if you poke them in the liver or the kidney, they could die two hours later and not even know it. You know what I'm saying? And that's so there's different reasons. But I've seen the effects of, like he's saying, poking somebody with an ice pick. It's actually a good choice of weapon in prison. Right. So what was it? So then the other part that I wanted to ask you is, so they got you the the prison medics, they got you seated up and like how big, how long is that Q-tip? I don't know. The Q-tip's probably like, I don't know, bro, probably about a foot long, maybe. They don't put the whole Q-tip in your back, but it it looks like a Q-tip. It's something with like this cotton on the end. And that's how they can tell how far it went in you. Yeah, That's what they do. They stick that in there. Oh, okay, you're good. But, I mean, they did that with the native dude, told him he was good, and he wasn't. He was internally bleeding, like you just said. Hit him in the liver or the kidneys or something, and he died, bro. Right. Yeah. Died in his cell. How bad does it hurt when they stick that Q-tip in your in your wound? Dude, honestly, dude, I was so hyped up. My adrenaline was pumping. Yeah. Dude, I didn't really even feel it, to be honest with you. But I felt it, you know, hours later, dude. I couldn't even get off the ground. I could not stand up. Right. Man. Crazy you know, and, 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 and then they tried to charge you for defending yourself, right? They did. They well. They they sent it over to the FBI, and the FBI declined prosecution. But they did find me guilty at a disciplinary hearing, and they said because after he stabbed me, I was free. He ran away. I chased him. So if I would have killed that dude that day, that would have been a body, bro. They would have charged me. They would have took me to federal court for killing him because I was already free. I was already safe. I chased him and killed him. If I would have killed him, and so like it's interesting because there is a legal. There is a legal. Uh, concept which is like yeah in the outside not in prison you can get into a fight and if you defend yourself and you use proportionate force usually then you won't be in trouble for you know shooting punching whatever it is to get yourself out of the situation but once the guy gets away and you're in the clear now they a lot of times will say you can't go chase that guy down but prison's a different environment like, that's not, I mean, yeah, the guy might get away and you might not be in trouble. If that guy stays alive, you're still in danger, right, Chad? Well, that, that was my mistake, bro. When I knocked him out that day, one of us was supposed to leave. Right. And I let him stay. Right. I let him stay. I right. should have pounded him out until, you know, one of us, we went to the hole and Roll one comes up. out, one gets transferred. Right. I never made that mistake ever again. If I had a problem with you, bro, we're right. handling it. Either I'm leaving or you're leaving. You right, know what I mean? Right, 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 right. We're not staying here, not together. Right. yeah. So, wow. and then, so in other places, right, Chad, uh, it talks about the innovative aspect of a lot of prisoners, their minds and everything. What was the most impressive knife you ever saw in prison that was homemade? The most impressive knife I ever seen? I've seen two badass knives, bro. One was a Native American dude had a deer antler, bro. <laughs> and this shit was sharpened with the buffer, homie. Uh-huh. This was the most, I was like, wow, bro. He turned the deer <laughs> antler. It was like a weird deer antler that, like, it didn't break off and go in curves. It was just a straight deer antler, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, almost completely straight. And it was probably 10, 11 inches long, dude. And, and wow. it was dangerous. How do you get and, a deer and, antler into prison? Dude, they got, like, these ceremonies they have. and yeah. they, Dude, you get all kinds of shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, under the right context. <laughs> right. What was the other knife? They, they, get, they get tobacco, too. Right. They need to get tobacco. Yeah. The other knife was, man, I had a little beef with this dude from California named Sparky, right? <laughs> For real, dude, he didn't like me. I didn't like him. And, you know, usually you see that, dude. You know, in, in prison, like, the East Coast dudes and the West Coast dudes, 
it ain't always it ain't always you know gravy you know what i mean mm, yeah. so even though we were both white we're beefing in in one day in the day room i'm like hey listen bro uh stop with the bullshit man at night like yelling and shit and for real he took off on me he hit me boom 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 i hit him and then they're like yo there's this older white dude there man that everybody respected from texas and he's like look man you guys got to go ahead and shoot the fair one so honestly dude we ended up going in the in the tv room and shooting the fair one but that's because that dude intervened but and not on no tough guy shit but dude I, I rock this dude right and then i you know ufc was big at that time i'm I'm like watching ufc somehow i got lucky dude put him in a little chokehold dude and put him to sleep he was snoring and when the cops came they drugged me and i kicked them off me they're like let him go let him go and i kicked them off me dude and it was the loudest snoring i ever heard but i did not want to let this dude go because i seen the knife that he had i didn't expect him to take off on me he was the butcher he had a piece of steel dude that looked like a butcher knife, and it really wasn't. It was just a piece of steel that was probably 12 feet. looked like a chop. It's <laughs> <laughs> like that video of that brother dancing around yeah. in the cell with that knife. Yeah. Dude, however the hell they bent this thing over, however they bent this thing over, I have no idea, dude, but it like had a grip on it. And I'm thinking if this dude makes it back to his cell, yeah. I'm in danger. Right. So I was glad that the older white dude kind of was like, yo, look, man, we went in the white TV room, dude. And we just got, they have different TV rooms back then. Black TV room, sports TV room, white TV room. And we, we just went in there and got it, man. Hey, when you used to, um, you said shoot a fair one. Can you just describe that for a lot of people who, what does that mean? Okay. So there's not a lot of fair ones in federal prison. Let's get that clear. Right. <laughs> But right. once in a while, man, you can work it out where there's a fair one. A fair one is just one-on-one, man. Your people aren't involved. Let's say he's from the West Coast and I'm from the East Coast. Let's say I got the East Coast car. He's got the West Coast car. Yeah. Like he's not going to get his people involved. I'm not going to get my people involved. And we're just going gonna to fight one-on-one, man-to-man, and let the best man win. Right on. So what was your process for writing the book? There's a lot of guys that get out that have got great stories, a story to tell. How did you manage to, or what was your writing process to get this book out? All right. So I ended up going to the hole, right? <clears throat> as crazy as this sounds in 2008, I'm in the hole my, with my homeboy, man, that got stabbed like 30 something times. And I'm like, dude, I'm gonna write a book about this shit. Cause I was in the hole reading these books that dudes wrote in federal prison that run like Lowe's and camps. And I'm like, they ain't telling, they can't tell our story because they never lived here. I said, the shit that I've experienced in here, I'm going to write this shit. And I started writing like a rough draft, dude. And then I put it away for a couple years and then I pulled it out. And then when I won my case, I said, man, I'm about to finish this book. This might be my stepping stone to make a couple dollars to get on my feet, right? So I wrote that book, man, nonstop after I found out I won my case. The crazy part is I was supposed to get out June 5th. My family comes to pick me up in Kentucky, bro. I see them in the parking lot. I'm walking out, and they call on the walkie-talkie. Stop him. There's an appeal. Stop him immediately. The prosecutor filed an appeal, dude. It, it gets what? Little, That's fucking insane. You yeah, think yeah, about yeah, it, dude. It tears story. me up a little bit, but uh, see, everybody ain't always, you know, ain't all the time tough, right? But uh, yeah, dude, I see my family right there, man, and they, they, they turn me around. And because the cops had a little respect for me because all the time I had in, he said, hey, you got clothes. I'll do you first. I didn't have any clothes because my family brought the clothes. We're going to go to the hotel, take a shower, change, and do all that. But if I had clothes, I would have made it out. So they did like three or four dudes before me. And then when I was going, I'm walking out in just my sweatsuit and my little prison hat and all that shit. They end up calling on the walkie-talkie. They stopped me, put me back in there. My lawyer, who was the dude that prosecuted John Gotti as a prosecutor, became a federal judge, uh, John Gleason. Gleason. He was a federal judge for 22 years. He ended up taking on my case pro bono at the end. He filed an appeal immediately, dude, and three weeks later, I ended up getting out. But the government filed an appeal, dude, the night before I got out, bro. Can you believe that? How, How are those three are? weeks, man? How are so those three and a half weeks? weeks, I'm thinking I'm getting out. I mean, for like three months, I think, yo, I'm getting out. Right. And the day I'm supposed to get out, dude, they, they turn me around. I'm telling you, I was 10 feet away from the gate, bro. I was already outside. How do you oh. how do how do you not lose your shit and just go ballistic and start yeah. kicking ass yeah. on everybody? Like, how do you keep yourself contained? I don't know, dude. I did a video about this. I didn't keep myself contained. Um, I ended up doing something, man, where someone at the end of my bid, dude, they thought I was someone else, and they stole my radio and my headphones. Fuck. I went, the, I went and ripped the pull off the shower, and you know I probably shouldn't talk about this publicly, but fuck it, man, it is what it is, right? I went in these dudes' cells, dude, and, and these dudes were smoking K2, stealing people's shit. 
and there was a black dude from Alabama. He had some size on him. I took him in the room, hit him in the chest, man. I say, let me tell you something, bro. My shit's off limits. You understand? And it wasn't him, man, that really stole the shit. It was a white dude. And they're like, yo, we made a mistake. We didn't realize, you know, someone else had moved in. Because they had me in the quarantine unit. And when I got rejected, they sent me back and put me in a different cell. So the dude that was in that cell got moved. They were planning on stealing his shit. I just happened to come there at the right at, at the wrong time, I guess. And, dude, I took that pole. I smashed dude shit in his room. They're running through the unit. We're in a unit, dude, with like 400, probably like 300 and some change, right? And there's one cop, dude, three floors. There's a lot of dangerous places in there. So I just started smashing these dudes shit in their room. I spit in one dude's face. I kicked another dude in the ass. And I'm like, trying. I'm like, damn, dude, what are you doing? Stop. And I ended up stopping myself, bro. But dude, yeah, I was ready to just snap, dude. Right. I mean, I gotta, I gotta feel that you that it the rage that you vented would have been really hard to put the lid on. So. I mean, it's amazing that you eventually got control of the situation. And then, as Schwartz was asking, so now you got, so then what? You're almost out. They bring you back. There's an appeal. It's the law. So how the fuck long anything takes anybody's guess? How do you handle yourself going forward until you actually get out? What happens? Honestly, man. Yeah. In my mind, I'm just like, damn, man. I couldn't even believe it. It. It's, it's almost impossible. And at that point, I was like, man, I started feeling like, man, it wasn't meant to be, man. I'm just, I'm stuck, man. I'm here. This is it. They're going to win the appeal. And the appeal that they wrote was vicious, bro. Vicious. So I'm like, wow, I'm not, I'm, I'm never getting out, man. I started thinking that. And then I talked to the lawyers and they're like, look, this is going to take some time. I mean, I had top-notch lawyers from New York City, bro, the best. At this point, I finally had the best, right? This chick, Marisa Taney and, and Judge Gleason, John Gleason. And they're like, look, this is going to take some time. You know, hopefully it's going to work out. You got to, you know, remain calm. I know it's not easy. And then like three weeks later, dude, I get this email at like five o'clock at night. And I got like two minutes left remaining on the core links. And it says great news. And dude, I couldn't even register it. It says great news. And I try to pull it up and I'm fumbling with the keys. My fingers aren't working. And, I, and I'm reading it. It says, hey, great news. You know, we just won your appeal today. Zoom, computer goes off. Because you only got a 30-minute time limit, right? Oh, I was already on there typing and writing people, and everything was cool. And then that happened to pop up when I clicked off that last email. And I'm like, damn, great news. So I call home right away. And one of the people that were helping me, she worked at the Federal Public Defender's Office. And uh, I'm like, hey, what's going on? She's like, you won, you won, you won. You're getting out. You're getting out. And I'm like, oh, shit. And then I ended up getting out, man, like the next day, I think it was. Yeah, but like, wow. I mean, before you finally set foot on the outside, were you tripping like uh, that walkie-talkie call is going to come in any second and fuck it all up again? Yeah, I was I was scared, but I knew the law, bro. I, I felt like this was it, though. I did. I think I felt like this is it. But when they opened the gate, you can, all the dudes can see you when you're leaving right there, right? I told them dudes, I said, bro, as soon as I get out the gate, I'm going to start running, bro. <laughs> I'm a jokester. I joke and play all the time, right? right. in prison, you got to laugh to keep from crying, right? Yep. So when they opened the gate, I act like I was going to run, and I didn't. But <laughs> the dudes were all up there like, yeah, like, all right. But even when you get out there, I got to the car. I said, man, go, go. Because yeah. if they tried to like say, hey, we made a mistake. You got to come. I wasn't yeah. coming back. Bro. Well, I'd, yeah. I'd right. imagine that it was probably tough on your family, too, seeing you almost get to them. And then have you been taken back inside? Did you talk to your family about what, what they went through with that? Oh, yeah, man. My mom's old, bro, and she's in bad health. But my mom, my mom's the love of my life, bro. You know what I mean? My father was my father was a junkie dude, died getting high. So really all we had was mom. You know what I mean? Yep. And, uh, yeah, my mom was devastated, bro. She, was, she cr probably cried every day for – she cried many years, but she probably cried every day for three weeks to the day I got out. And in her mind, she's like, wow, you know – she feels like I want him to get out before I die, you know, and she wanted me to have kids before, you know, she passed away. And now all that stuff came to fruitation, but I take care of my mom, bro. I go over there every week. I take care of her financially. I do everything for her, bro. Everything. How she called me yesterday. I need help moving the dog food. I'll be there in an hour. How did it feel? How did it feel for you to see your mom finally see the long awaited grandchildren? Oh man, that was uh, <laughs> that was good, man. That was probably one of the best feelings of my life that she's seen that. And they were boys, you know what I mean, identical boys. So, it, yeah, man. And my sister has only daughters. She has three daughters. So, it was great, man. It was great for that to go that way, man. And um, and I think 
you know, as we we talk about all the serious issues, we talk about whatever, but you're still a human being and human beings that get stuck in a situation where you have to eat bullshit for like 10, 17 years, whatever it is. When you get out, what was the thing you were most excited to eat? Yeah, it was the first thing you ate. Dude, I wanted a stuffed crust pizza, bro. I've seen it for years from Pizza Hut. That's what I wanted, bro. But, dude, I, I ate good in prison. Dude, one of my homeboys, you know, I had a couple of dollars, bro, and one of my homeboys worked in the staff kitchen, so I would get shit from street shit all the time, bro. But I wanted a real pizza, homie. I wanted a real pizza where the cheese, like, you know, New York pizza, yeah. for real. I ended up getting a Pizza Hut because I was in Kentucky. But I wanted a real New York pizza, bro. Right. And then... um you you know, I also read somewhere or maybe I heard somewhere that like when you first entered the prison system, the Fed, the food was real good. And then at some point it, it went to shit. So exactly what happened there? Oh, dude, the food's absolutely horrible. If you hear a dude saying that it's good, they're out of their minds. Oh, well, I was in a place that had a good food administrator. Dude told me that the other day in one of my interviews. I'm like, dude, the burgers are made out of pink slime. I don't know if you know what that is. Mm. You can't even eat this shit no more, homie. I don't eat, I didn't eat no beef in prison. I don't eat seafood. So any beef that came out of the kitchen, I would not eat that shit, bro. It was absolutely horrible. Chicken's always raw. So. Well, uh, I mean, this. Man, I, awesome. We didn't yeah. even probably scratch the surface of Chad Mark's story. We got it. Chad, we got to have you back on. Yeah. We really like we really like your story's incredible, brother. And it's just absolutely incredible. Uh, Blood on the Razor Wire. Yep. Go to Amazon. Yep. And get that book. Yep. Uh, YouTube channel is Blood on the Razor Wire TV. Go check that out. Chad. Chad Mark. Fantastic. March. Chad Mark. Amazing, man. Thank you so much. Good job, Schwartz. Yep. Yeah. Excellent job, Schwartz. Excellent job. Hey, Chad, Schwartz. I also noticed, though, that there wasn't an audio book for Blood on the Blood on the Razor Wire. Is that coming? Or do you, you know, how is that? Dude, what are you I, got a, um, I got a thing with the studio on the 10th. So I'm going to go over there and record it this week. Nice. Awesome. Right on. Right nice. on. All right. Well, man, I got to say it was an honor. And yes, we would like you to come back because. Honestly, I would love to just hear the individual battles that you've done for those hundred plus people that you got out of prison. I'd like yeah. to just hear the legal fucking back and forth and all the shit you've done there. Yeah. We'll do that. We'll talk about Whitey Bulger. Steve Caracapa was my selling yeah. for like a week. Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah. We need to hear all that. Real quick, and we won't we won't go in deep because you know what we're gonna save this for another show uh-huh. uh, for uh, Chad Marks about the Whitey Bulger. Okay. Okay. But. Your guy with the the money, right? That he stole the money, Steve. What yeah. time? What time, Steve? What time of the day did he get pulled over by the Beverly Hills police? Oh, it was about twelve o'clock noon. Okay, so hearing that, Chad Marks, do you recall what Whitey Bulger's um, rules were about not getting pulled over by the police? He said, "You never go out at night. You do everything there in the day." He said at night the cops were out looking for you to go through a stop sign, not come to a complete stop, run a red light, not put on your signal. He said anything like that, that's how you stay away, man. That's how you stay away from the cops. You come out there in the day. You stay your ass inside at night. You never leave at night. Yeah. So, all right. So we're going to leave it there as a teaser. We're going to go into those stories more and more uh, as we go in the future. Chad Marked, man. Blood on the razor wire. Fantastic. Thank you, brother. Thank, Thank you, you so for coming much. on. Thank you, Chad. And, and like we do about this time from the Hard Luck Show, adios, amigos. All right. You guys good? <laughs>